Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning. It is the 23rd of January, 2023. That is the year of the Lord. Uh, Other people around the world might be celebrating it as the year of the rabbit. You might be hearing um, about that. You as a Christian need to say to yourself, no matter what this is for other people, this for me is the year of the Lord. Every year is the year of the Lord. Um, And we don't, uh, you know, have rabbit's foot talismans, and we don't use dream catchers. Um, we don't read horoscopes, uh, you know, right? We're we're the Jesus people, and we're going to be a people who are in the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to get into us. And so if you're looking for a verse of the day, you know, because you want to know your horoscope, <clears throat> um, you can sign up for the verse of the day at MyFaithRadio.com. If you want... Um, you know, a talisman of some kind. Um, you don't need a rabbit's foot in your pocket. You don't need a dream catcher um, hanging from your rearview mirror. Um, we we are a people who recognize and acknowledge um, and respect the spirit of the living God, and we don't mess around with other spirits. And so, as people are um, talking today about you know the year of the rabbit and maybe talking about a rabbit's foot or whatever, you know, you you be the person who says into that, um, hey. Let me let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about allowing him to be sovereign over every year. Um you you don't need you don't need a lucky charm. Um you need Jesus. All right. Um let me br- brief you in on some headlines around the con- around the country and around the world. Um and as we're doing this, I want you to bring these places into mind and the people into mind and lift them up before the Lord our God. All right? Because God is on the throne and sovereign and able to affect these people and these circumstances. And so as I lift these up, I'm lifting them up um, as a, as a prayer concern for each and every one of us demonstrations and demonstrators in downtown Atlanta uh, became violent over the weekend. An environmental activist was killed by police last week and protesters say that the activists um, they're describing it as murdered. The police say that he was killed after he shot a state trooper. Um, and so the the weekend ended with um, a lot of violence, um, and so we we want to we want to be lifting up the city of Atlanta and its people today, um, and that peace would reign. Anti-government protests in the nation of Peru have also escalated. Um, protests continue in Iran and other places around the world as well, and so we want to be um, praying for people who are on their feet and on the streets protesting in various places around the world. And the causes for that, the underlying causes for that. Uh, the nation of Somalia um, has avoided entering a famine for now. So this is good news. However, um, the the food security there is very, very tenuous. Um, and it is predicted that famine nationwide in Somalia is only a matter of time. You may live in a place that has a lot of um, 
Somalis. Um, Certainly, if you live in the Twin Cities, you're very, very familiar with the Somali population. Might be a good time to um, to reach out to them, to ask about the circumstances in their home country and just tell them that you're aware that um, that famine is uh, on the horizon for the people of Somalia. Ask who they know there. This is an opportunity to engage with neighbors um, and lift up lift up prayers together. Extreme drought and soaring food prices have escalated the already dire situation there and in many other places around the world. Um, there were more than 250,000 illegal border crossings that were um, actual encounters. This is not account for gotaways, like people who were not actually stopped by the U.S. Border uh, Patrol in in the month of December. But 250,000 illegal border crossings into the United States just in the month of December. It's the highest December on record, up 40 percent year over year. Earlier this month, President Biden announced measures to deter um, people seeking to enter the United States across the southern border from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. Um, Under humanitarian parole, the United States would admit 30,000 people um, collectively from those countries every month. This is um, an ongoing crisis at the U.S. southern border, and so we want to be praying for all of the places from which people are seeking to leave and migrate to the United States of America. We're also praying for the U.S. Congress to pass immigration reform. Um, let's let's be a people who are actively working in the direction of of something that works, both for us as a nation and for desperate people around the world who really are seeking a better life. And that better life is available here in the United States for many of them. You're going to want to check out the Biden refugee policy that's just been updated. Refugee resettlement um, now provides for uh, regular citizens like you and me, or maybe for our local church to actually sponsor refugees in the same way that we've been sponsoring um, refugees and refugee families from Ukraine. So that model is now um, available for refugees around the world. More on that. Uh, the link is in my show notes today, which you can get at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Be sure you're subscribed to Mornings with Carmen, and that way you'll get the show notes every single day. Mindy Bells is joining us next. She's going to take us around the world and into the Open Doors World Watch List for 2023. Where are the most dangerous places in the world to live if you're a Christian? That's up next. You're on Morning with Carmen. Joining us now, Mindy Bells. You can find her on Substack. She's mindybells.substack.com. Her blog is called Globe Trot. Mindy, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. So every year, Open Doors publishes a world watch list. Can you take us into this year's world watch list and what we're watching? Yeah, I mean, it's a a great macro picture and um, a real service that Open Doors does for the Christian community because we know Jesus told us that uh, suffering is something that will uh, follow all of his followers. And, um, you know, it's striking to see the numbers and the places and the the data on this. 
Um, the numbers are pretty consistent. Uh, one in seven Christians are persecuted worldwide. That might be striking to those of us in America who probably don't face a lot of these same challenges that they face, but that is 360 million people we're talking about who are facing um, everything from harassment to job discrimination, to being turned out of their homes and to actually being killed and martyred. And so the numbers that Open Doors has come up with uh, for 2022, 5,621 Christians killed. And I, I, I do want to say, when I say the numbers that we're, Open Doors has come up with, you know, year by year, as they have been doing this list, it is widely respected and, and the numbers are, are just amazingly uh, on point. So um, more than 5,000 people killed for their faith. Uh, probably the number is much higher than that, but those are ones that have been documented and that we know. I'll mention a couple of things that I found were striking. 90% um, of the deaths that took place in the past year took place in Nigeria. Mm. And, um, uh, we continue to have something of, a, of a, a battle with the Biden administration. The Biden State Department took Nigeria off its list, the State Department list of countries of particular concern. Um, it did that, I, I think, two years ago, but don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that uh, detail right in front of me. Um, but it but it continues not to highlight the concerns in Nigeria. And I mean, I'll just give you one example um, this month about, uh, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, a gunman broke into a church in Katsina state. They, they shot the, the pastor. He was wounded. And as far as I know, survived, but he was seriously hurt. They kidnapped 25 people during a morning worship service. And this is, mm. this is the kind of thing that is happening with impunity from the government in Nigeria, but also impunity from, Western countries in the United States in particular that ought to be standing up and saying more about it. And so um, this list highlights, I think, the dramatic uh, situation in Nigeria. A couple of other places, um, the, the top persecutor, which has been kind of a perennial persecutor, is North Korea. North Korea passed another draconian law um, this past year that has made it even tougher for Christians to assemble, for Christians to be known in any way for their beliefs. Um, and then Afghanistan was at the top of the list the year before and fell somewhat this year. But I, I think we ought to, uh, there's a caveat about that. Afghanistan during the time of the Taliban takeover was regularly pulling Christians out of their homes, identifying them, um, killing them in the streets and and putting most of the Christian leaders in Afghanistan on the run. We know that several dozen of them have actually made it here to the United States, um, but that church is still in peril. And the reason that Afghan Afghanistan fell this year is um, is not that the persecution has has diminished so much as it is that the Christians who remain there are much fewer in number, and they have gone into deep deep hiding. Hmm. There's a range of headlines um, related to Christians around the world and um, loss of life. Um, and you can actually find a number of these stories at morningstarnews.org. 
Um, Mindy does a great job giving us a roundup of what's happening around the world. And we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to shift to uh, conversations related to what's happening in Europe, what's happening in Ukraine. We're going to talk about Russia, all of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose. We're continuing our conversation with Mindy Bells. You can find um, her blog called Globe Trot on Substack. You can also find the links in today's show notes. Mindy, um, let's talk uh, here about the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, just 600 miles from Ukraine. You um, took note of noteworthy speeches by the First Lady of Ukraine and the NATO Secretary General. Um, t- tell us about about those, um, like the juxtaposition of those conversations in terms of peace. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the Davos Forum is like the who's who of, of wealthy countries, uh, wealthy uh, organizations, heads of corporations, that kind of thing. And they all come together and figure out how, how do we make the world better? And it, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's parodied for just how um, much sort of rich schmoozing is going on there. So it's, it's interesting that, that the Davos forum was forced to sort of centerpiece the situation in Ukraine, that it just is impacting so much of the world that it, it can't be ignored. And, um, and so the key leading addresses on the first few days of the, of the World Economic Forum came from Ukraine's first lady, Olena Zelenska. Uh, later on, President Zelensky himself addressed the forum by video, but she was there in person. And I think she had a dramatic impact because if you watch her speech, um, she is uh, just a very striking presence as someone who is is in in many ways a very unique victim of this war. war. And one of the things that she said with, that was just very striking is, how does the world want to achieve climate neutrality when so far it has not even stopped the burning of entire cities in Ukraine? And and I feel like this is sort of a moment that's that we kind of lose in the day to day headlines of this war in Ukraine, is that the rest of the world is continuing these um, uh, the to discuss things like climate change and to discuss things like uh, uh, economic coming back from inflation and post COVID things and stuff like that. But but in Ukraine, they're seeing like the total breakdown of their civilization as they know it. And they're they're asking, why are we talking about anything else? Because if this spreads, if this spreads to other countries in Europe, you know, and, and the impact of this war in Ukraine is, is already affecting Europe and will continue to, how will we be able to tackle any of these other issues? And so it's, it's a very powerful speech. The second one was Jan Stoltenberg, who's 
the the Secretary General of NATO. And, you know, he is a widely respected sort of a diplomat of diplomats. And yet he was very undiplomatic in his speech. Um, he, he challenged the the uh, not only NATO countries, but beyond NATO countries, you know, basically, if we cannot end this war, and if we allow Russia to win this war, he said at one point, we will be signaling to authoritarians all over the world that it is okay to oppress and invade your neighbors. And it is okay to try to destroy people um, in, in your way, essentially. And, and he made a really strong plea. He said, weapons are the way to peace. Weapons are the only way to win this war. I mean, from a Christian worldview, I want to I want to pause there and I want to say, you know, what, what does it say about the world, um, particularly the supposedly Christian Western world, that the only way to peace is through weapons of war, through the proliferation right. of war? Like, what what does that say about us? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that, it, you know, I think I would turn that question to a little bit, Carmen, on, uh, you know, we have to look at Russia which is also a predominantly Christian country where we've seen the church co-opted through this war and made to be kind of a, a spokesman for the war effort. And what does it say about the Christian nation of Russia mm. that has allowed it to overstep every kind of international norm and every sort of, you know, the boundary of nations that, you know, this has been such a blatant act of aggression such a, you know, it's not a situation where you have to keep reminding people, not a situation where Ukraine had threatened or attacked Russia. This was an unprovoked, premeditated attack. And it is, I mean, it is is like uh, the way that the late 30s and early 40s unfolded with Hitler. It, it is unprecedented in some ways if you think about recent conflicts. For the way in which a major power has gone after uh, an also um, significant large country and has tried to take it over uh, mercilessly. And, and it is in the process, I should say, truly annihilating people, co-opting churches in Russia, also co-opting Christians and believers in, in Ukraine by targeting them, by setting up military headquarters inside their churches. Um, and, and, you know, we know that more than 200 churches have been destroyed. This is going to have a large impact on how, um, how Christians gather and, and, and do the work of the church moving forward, no matter what happens in Ukraine. And, um, and so, yeah, I agree that we've come to this point that it is, it, it's a miserable place that there is no alternative but weapons, mm -hmm. if according to Jan Stoltenberg. So I had the opportunity yesterday to um, hear personally, be in the same room with a pastor uh, and his wife from Belarus. They are mm -hmm. now in uh, Poland, uh, Warsaw, Poland, because under threat of being arrested, they, um, you know, they needed to flee. Um and one of the things that they asked us to do, you know, was, you know, pray for our our Ukrainian brothers and sisters in Christ, pray for our Belarusian brothers and sisters in Christ, okay. pray for our Russian brothers and sisters in Christ, like recognizing that there are Christians inside each one of these 
uh, national borders. Um, and, and then also pray for the opportunity that God has created through this. They, you know, they arrived in Warsaw and we're just praying, you know, well, God, you know, use us here, use us here. And, um, 50 people are now gathering and asking questions about Jesus and opening the Bible together with this pastor and his wife from Belarus. Um, but they also recognize that they have now an untended flock uh, who, you know, of people who cannot leave, Absolutely. who cannot flee for one reason or another. So just lots and lots of cause for us to be um, ardently praying and actively seeking peace. So thank you, as always, Mindy, for this. Hey, let me direct everybody to um, Mindy's Globetrot on the 13th of January, because the um, the information there about what's going on in Iran and what's going on in Jordan are really good, as well as the link to um, Mindy's book on the topic of like what would happen if people who want to eradicate Christians were actually successful. What would that look like in particularly in the Middle East? Mindy Bell's um, Globetrot is one you want to subscribe to at Substack. All the links are in today's show notes. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Are you pro-life? Are you pro-life? What does that mean to you? How, how do you define that? What, what's the scope of being pro-life for you? Um, so I want you to just consider for a moment that these are all headlines that are related to life because they're most of them headlines related to death. So what does it mean to be pro-life in a culture where in New York City, um, quote unquote, sexual health clinics are now offering free abortion pills? without a prescription? What does it mean to be pro-life in a culture where just to the north of us, our northern neighbor, Canada, is performing more organ transplants than any other country in the world from people who are utilizing the nation's medical assistance in dying law to end their own lives? What does it mean to be pro-life in the face of that? What does it mean to be pro-life in the context of a culture where Just yesterday in Monterey Park, California, an individual uh, killed 10 people, wounded at least 10 others, and then took his own life. What does does it mean to be pro-life in the context of a culture where the March for Life, which was held on Friday, um, where former NFL head coach, uh, football coach Tony Dungy called the nation to pray, um, and is now being called like a right-wing terrorist because of it. <laughs> like, what, what does it mean to be pro-life today? What does it mean to be pro-life in a culture where people with disabilities are not regarded, even by people inside the church, as whole? What does it mean to be pro-life? How do you define it? Amy Julia Becker has given this a lot of thought. She's thought a lot about life. She's thought a lot about what it means to live the good life in relationship to our good and great God, and she joins us next. We are made, made in the image of, made in the image of God, beautiful shades of love. 
Amy Julia Becker um, is an author and a speaker. She's a wife and a mom. Her most recent book is To Be Made Well, An Invitation to Wholeness, Healing, and Hope. Um, Amy Julia, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So part of me just like wants to scroll your Facebook feed, which um, you guys can connect with Amy Julia <laughs> on on Facebook, um, Amy Julia Becker Writer, um, or you can just go to her website, amyjuliabecker.com and connect with her there or connect through there to her social media. Because uh, a part of the conversation that I just want to have today is how we treat um, people who are different, um, mm. people who do not like appear to be as healthy as we might think every Christian should be. Um, and so talk with me about walking into a worship service where there is a person in a wheelchair. Talk with me about encountering a 16-year-old um, with Down syndrome who is standing in line with me uh, at Walmart. Like, talk with me today about the assumptions that I make because I am who I am and I can't escape it. Like, talk with me about the assumptions that I make about, like, why people have differing physical capabilities, abilities, or levels of what we would regard as health and help me understand what health really is. Yeah, that's a series of great thoughts and questions and observations. And I have, as you know, been reflecting on these things myself for almost two decades now. We have a daughter who is 17 and has Down syndrome. And when she was born, it really prompted a lot of reflection for me on the ways that I had always done what you just described, which is judge people based on their bodies and their intellect and even from a Christian perspective, judge them that way. Um, seeing certain people, this is how I used to think, as more broken than others. And what has happened over the course of these 17 years of knowing Penny, our daughter, but also being really introduced to a world of people with various physical and cognitive disabilities is to start to recognize, wait, what is it that I really believe? about who we are as humans, about who God is as the one who creates us, and who says, even as broken and sinful people, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. What what do all those things mean? And so what has happened for me is a shift of perspective, not only in how I view people with visible disabilities, uh, whether that's, again, physical or intellectual, but also how I view myself. And what I mean by that is, Instead of having this hierarchy of some people are essentially more valuable than others, um, which we certainly have in our world, some people are more able to make money than others, and we tend to see them as more valuable. Some people are more intelligent than others, and in our world, we see them as more valuable. But we even do that in terms of thinking that some people are more spiritually valuable than others, which is an ancient problem. I think that's one of the things that Paul is writing about in 1 Corinthians when he writes about the spiritual gifts and says, some of you think you've got more important gifts than others. No, no, no. We are a body. 
And so if we can start to actually view one another as humans who have been created in love and for love with a purpose from God, that all of us are created with gifts to offer and all of us are created with needs, with areas of vulnerability and dependence where those things are going to actually fit together in a way that allow us to love one another and love God and love ourselves in a full way that actually leads to health and healing. That's been transformative for me um, in seeing a wheelchair, for example, as something that helps someone move through the world rather than as a sadness or a confining experience in seeing someone with Down syndrome and wondering who is this person that I get to know and in, and interact with today? Um, what do I need from them and what might they need from me and how might we love and care for each other? So those are the types of changes that have happened in my own thinking. And then, of course, that leads to changes in my own behavior um, that have all stemmed from a new appreciation of what it means to be human. And I, I guess maybe we can talk more about this also. What does it mean to be whole or to be healthy? Yeah, let's absolutely talk about that. What does it mean <laughs> to be whole? What does it mean to be healthy? I think that the passage that came to mind as you were talking um, is Romans 2, 11, in this mm -hmm. idea that God, God shows no partiality. Our culture is obsessed with partiality. Yeah. Like, right? We want our children to be totally. gifted and talented. And scripture says our children are gifted and talented, but we have really perverted the meaning of that in our culture. <laughs> Yeah, and this is all over scripture. Just the, if you think about the parables, especially the ones that are hard for us from Jesus, where he's saying that the last will be first. And we're like, but why? The first ones, they mm. worked so hard. They did it so right. Or um, in Luke 14, he has a story about um, people who come to a banquet and they're all trying to sit by the host because that will show that they are more important. And Jesus says, don't sit here. And then he actually says to the host, uh, you should not have even invited these people. You should have invited the people who can't repay you, which is really interesting, his language of, you know, you've invited all these people who can have you over to dinner and give you an amazing meal. And so you're just going to be operating in this transactional place where I give and then you give back to me the same thing. And it's all about kind of keeping a ledger of how we add up our um, debts and our credits. And, you know, some people get ahead and other people get behind and some people are winners and others are losers. And Jesus says, if you invite the lame and the poor and the blind and, um, you know, the people who you would not have typically invited to your party, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. And I think that gets at some of what we're talking about in terms of wholeness and health and a recognition that for Jesus to be whole, to be healthy is to be in a relationship of dependent love with God first and foremost, but that that health is going to actually be how we, it's all about relationship. It's all about this Jewish uh, understanding of shalom, where we are connected to God, to community, to ourselves and to other people in healthy ways. It's not about uh, primarily in what way does my body function? Do other people think highly of me because I have muscles or beauty or you know economic success? So there's a really different understanding of health. And I'll, I'll add one kind of little story from a friend of mine uh, named Brian Brock, who has written about his son, Adam, who has Down syndrome and autism and has had a lot of medical complications throughout his life. And what Brian says about Adam is that Adam is the healthiest person he knows. And he's using a biblical understanding 
understanding of health to say that Adam is the person who lives most fully and content with most contentment in the presence of God moment by moment. And that is how Brian is, has started to define health based on how Jesus defines health and wholeness. So many things come to mind um, as you're sharing, Amy Julia. I'm I'm thinking of the way that we um, treat people, not only because you know they don't have these idealized bodies, but mm. because their mind grows weak or they become yeah. unable to perform or do. And and we're like, well, what use are they anymore? Like we're yeah. so utilitarian in our culture. Um, yep. And then this loneliness epidemic that that we're experiencing, not only here in the United States, but around the world. And then I hear you say, hey, the measure of health is really about relationship. The measure of whether or not you're you're healthy is whether or not you have these mutual relationships that are loving and kind and um, and good. So I want to talk um, about where you've seen that so that we can have some models for it in in our minds and we can know what it looks like um, in order that we can, you know, work toward achieving it in our own lives as well, finding those relationships and um, and finding that kind of flourishing. We're talking with Amy Julia Becker. Among other things, she's the author of To Be Made Well. You can connect with her at amyjuliabecker.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and we'll be right back. Maybe you're thinking in this new year you'd like to change the world. Well, you can start by changing the world for one child. We're partnering with one child again, and you can sponsor a child now at MyFaithRadio.com. What happens when you sponsor a child through one child? Well, you're going to be linked to a boy or a girl who lives in a country other than your own, uh, and you're going to help supply for their tangible needs. Yes, they're going to receive the gospel of Jesus, but they're also going to receive educational assistance, supplemental food, clothing, healthcare services, and opportunities for love, friendship, and encouragement. The cost is just $39 a month, and you can sponsor a child right now at MyFaithRadio.com. So if you want to change the world this year, why don't you start by changing the world for one child? Sponsor a child today at MyFaithRadio.com. How is our culture um, obsessed with favoritism or partiality? Like we think about influencers or we think about the fear of missing out. What do you fear missing out on? Um, you fear being first or you fear being last? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, is it, what does it look like in our culture to be people who actually um, pursue the kinds of relationships that Jesus pursued? Who did Jesus pursue in relationship? Where did he go? Where did he walk? What was his character? What were his ways? Are those the kinds of relationships and the quality of relationships we're pursuing today? And are those the kinds of people we're pursuing today in those relationships? Amy Julia Becker has uh, done a lot of thinking about what it means to be whole and healed and to be a person of hope. Her most recent book, To Be Made Well, is on this topic. Um, Amy Julia, talk with us about models you've experienced or seen. Like, give draw us a picture of what it can be like today to um, to live in a whole, healed, hopeful community. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that is 
been really helpful to me is to recognize that when Jesus calls us to be last, um, to not put ourselves first, it's not because we are meant to stay in kind of an unrecognized, ignored, overlooked, lowly position. It's that we are meant to trust that God is the one who brings blessing and who lifts us up. So, you know, when Mary is singing, um, when she first finds out that she's having Jesus, she prays that God will lift up the lowly. And there is a sense of when we are willing to make ourselves low, like to go low with God, which is certainly what Jesus did in not only coming to earth, but in who he spent his time with, there is a blessing and a fullness that comes from that. And so for people like me, who are able-bodied and have the education and opportunities to make myself great and to make myself first in lots of contexts, what that I think means for me to experience health and wholeness and blessing and like the way of Jesus is going to look like spending time with being in relationship, being um, encountering often people who are more obviously vulnerable than I am. For me, what the way that's happened recently is that I'm in a little Zoom Bible study with my daughter who has Down syndrome, who's 17 years old, and a friend of hers who has Down syndrome and who has wanted to learn about Jesus. And every week I sit with them And, you know, I'm the teacher here, (laughs) but what I really do is I learn from them the way of uh, a way of blessing because they approach life without the same social hierarchies that I do. And so they are, it is that proximity, like being close to them that helps me to recognize so much more what it means to trust a God of love and a God of blessing rather than to think that I need to prove myself and earn my way into God's favor or into the favor of anyone else. If you're looking for um, places and ways to get into proximity with um, with people who are um, living uh, with challenges that you do not have, I want you to consider just sitting outside the courthouse or sitting outside um, the ER, sit outside um, whatever in your community is the place where people access social services. Um, talk to your pastor about, you know, who are the broken, hurting poor people um, who come here for help or who we know need um, need a hand and, a, and an ear, but who don't have it. Um, so there are ways to get into proximity with, um, with people. We just aren't often pursuing those ways. We're often crossing on the other side of the street, averting our eyes. We're not often going over to and actually engaging with the person who is... Um, really obviously struggling. Is that fair? Oh my gosh, that's so fair and so true for me, as well as for many, many people, certainly in our culture. Um, I think it's also really interesting biblically that, you know, God uh, gives, Jesus gives so many examples of hospitality as um, a place where we can do one or the other of these things. We can either invite the people who can repay us, as I was saying earlier, or we can invite the people who, as far as we know, cannot repay us and see what God does in that space. And I think about the um, relationship between the word hospitality and hospital, that there is a healing act in coming together in community. And that's true no matter what. I mean, back to what you were saying before about our loneliness epidemic, there is a lot of data to show that um, being actually in meaningful relationships 
relationship with other people is a more effective treatment for many of our diseases than lots of medication um, and all, all sorts of other things that we do to try to help ourselves. So we need relationships. But when we go that one step farther and we are in relationships with unexpected people and we're looking for God to be present and we're giving of ourselves, but also assuming that we will be receiving from the people who are there, I think there's a beauty and um, it's like we're stepping out of this ladder of success that we're trying to climb. It's like we're stepping off of that and saying, Lord, will you lift me up? Will you be present in this place? And it's a whole different way of being that involves a lot of surprises um, and and a lot of suffering, actually. I think a lot of hardship. Part of why we avoid the ER or the courthouse or even the people in our own family who are needy is because we have to encounter suffering and we don't want to. And yet there also can be such grace and love in those relationships when we want and invite uh, the spirit to be the one who's leading us and guiding us through them. When I think about the fellowship of um, Christian believers of every time and place, and I think about, um, you know, who I am going to sit at the table of fellowship together with in the kingdom of God, um, my my vision of that is so different than um, the places and spaces where I find myself most often, right? And mm. um, and so when I when I think about the people who, you know, Jesus has washed. They have been washed by the blood of Christ. They have, um, they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to spend all eternity with them. It's a really diverse people in every, uh, you know, by every stretch of that term, diverse. Um, And it humbles me immediately because I just recognize that at that table, like everybody's equal. Um, When we talk about God showing no partiality, like I think about the kingdom of heaven and I think about, you know, every seat being um, equidistant from the one who is at the head of the table and and every single one of us in absolute joyful fellowship with one another. And so, um, yeah, thank you for mm. your ongoing, um, very public conversation. I feel like on Facebook, people have a, a real window into your world and an ongoing um, encouragement in terms of um, thinking about these things in a way that is so real and so faithful. So I want to direct people there. But you can connect with Amy Julia Becker and all of her social media um, through her website, amyjuliabecker.com. If you want to um, see Penny at the ophthalmologist recently, um, <laughs> you got to scroll, scroll back uh, a couple of days um, on Amy Julia Becker's Facebook page. Um, thank you. Thank you for the gift of conversation today um, and your your wisdom um, and your lived experience. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Carmen. It's great to be with yeah. you. Likewise. That's Amy Julia Becker. You can connect with her, amyjuliabecker.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, TikTok, TikTok. Um, I'm always at this point in the hour watching the clock because, you know, I've got like a minute and 10 seconds left with you. Um, are you watching the clock? Are you a clock watcher? Well, the um, the doomsday clock is uh, set to toll tomorrow. And so I'm going to watch that on our behalf and see what the doomsday clock people have to say. Um, here's the reality. 
every moment, this, this moment, and this moment, and this moment, they belong to God. Like the one gift that God has given us um, to do with as we will is time. And so what are you doing today with the time that God has given you? Like what, what time is it in your life? What time is it in the day and the things that, you know, God's called you to, to do today? Um, the divine appointments that God has set? What time is it in our culture? What time is it in world history? I mean, at some point, we are going to arrive at the fullness of time and Christ is going to come again to judge the living and the dead. And then you're going to live forever, either in the fullness of the presence of God or outside of it. What time is it? Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.